first reading is from Psalm 13, and that's in page 506 of the Old Testament section of the Bibles in front of you or on the screen. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Our second reading is from Luke, chapter 18, and is on page 78 of the New Testament section. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That reading from the Gospel told us that that God is good and that he will grant justice in prayer. So let's start in a moment of prayer. Lord God, thank you that in you we can journey from despair to joy. Help us wherever we are on that journey today. Help us to prepare our hearts over the coming weeks towards the joy of the risen Jesus at Easter. For we ask in your mighty name. Amen. This morning we have an absolutely brilliant psalm in Psalm 13 to meditate on. Do keep it open at page 506 of your Old Testament sections of your Bible. It could be called the great questioning psalm. Why God? Why? To to those of you who are Uh, joining us as guests this morning, welcome so much. We don't always think of such heavy topics, but Lent is a classic time when we often do, and it's good uh, every so often to just have a, a search of the soul to remind ourselves, because ultimately, maybe in some time in the past, or at some time in the future, we will Uh, encounter those really heavy moments when we will ultimately ask why. 
We'll just throw it out into the ether. Why, God? Why has this happened to me? And ultimately, we will be forced to journey through those questions. And it is always my prayer that we will come out the other side. We'll have grown as people. We'll have seen, hopefully, God in the midst of our questions. This particular psalm is is just six verses. It is amazingly short to have gone from the point of questioning why God to uh, to worshipping him merely six verses later. And I was musing on it and I heard, um, I was listening to a lecture from the Bishop of Sheffield. He was giving his annual lecture um, earlier in this week and there was a quote from it that I think is quite appropriate for it. He was talking about the book of Job uh, which is another very difficult uh, book to sort of work through, and it's, it's, it's sort of much larger. It's 45 chapters odd. It's, it's extensive, uh, and a lot of people struggle to, to make head or tail of it. Um, and he was saying, actually, once you know the structure of it, once you understand that it's so well-crafted, and you can sort of make head and tail of it, you can really see some great things in it. And he said this, Scripture isn't just well-crafted literature, but it is usually nothing less than well-crafted literature. And it made me think, this psalm itself is not just well-crafted literature, but actually it really is. And sort of the health warning that I would say for this, yes, it asks the question, why God? But my thought is actually this person has come to thinking this question many years later because they have been able to package those initial questions and their final conclusion into such a short space of time. They have ruminated on this for a very, very long time and they have done it for our blessing so that whether we are right at the beginning of that phase, we are somewhere in the middle or we have come to the end, we can take this psalm and know that Christians have gone before us. Those who have followed God have ruminated on this question for many, many centuries. So, do have it open on page 506. There are three equal sections, each with two, two short verses each. The first is that of desolation. The second is that of supplication. And the third is that of certainty. And so we'll go through them individually. The first being that of desolation. Potentially quite rightly, that feeling of emotional helplessness when we face a dire circumstance. The verses express pain and that inability to even get away from that moment. Have you ever felt that pain which clings to you. That you struggle to um, fall away from. Now if you're in the midst of that yourself uh, and you'd like to pray with someone, after the service we have prayer ministry with our wholeness team. Do go and pray with someone. If you feel in the midst of it and you just don't know what to pray. Maybe the best words you can say are, why God? And where are you in the midst of this? But this is where 
we start in this psalm. Now this question, why God, is such a valid question to ask. They ask, will you forget me forever? How long will this last for? These are amazing prayers to pray. Just know that if you're asking these questions, if you feel, God, can I even ask these questions? Psalm 13 shows that long before you, people were asking this exact same question. These are such valid questions to ask. These are what we're expected to call out in a time of desolation. On to our second of our two verses sections, verses three and four, that of supplication. Supplication, not a common word, but it is the honest and earnest asking. Visually, that is falling on our knees. That is asking for help. They ask, give light to my eyes. Don't let me be ashamed forever. Give me back true life that I know is in you. Here we see the writer knows that there must be a way out. There must be a way from that sense of helplessness and desolation. So they call out to God, knowing that he is the source of that goodness. They know that if God must be good, then he must be that source of goodness. And they want to see it in their lives. And so they call out, knowing it. I wonder, actually, if sometimes we are too cautious to assume that God wants to give us good things. We pray something like this. Oh God, if it's not too much trouble, if you're not too busy, maybe if you could give me a little bit, give me something. Give me part of what I need. But do we see how ridiculous that really is? If we believe in a good God, surely we should believe in the good things that he has for us. Not a little bit of goodness, but all goodness. I'm not saying that when we pray, God gives it things to us as we ask for it, but I've never questioned his goodness that he has for us. Sometimes we have to look back to see how he has been good to us. And I think probably that's maybe where the psalmist has gone to. And then the third section. I've timed it, termed it certainty, verses 5 and 6. This is really where we should remember that, that quote from the beginning, that scripture is no less than well-crafted literature because it's gone at lightning speed from desolation to supplication to certainty. But this shows probably a several-year journey maybe for something that is really, really challenging. But they have held on to the goodness of God, to his steadfastness, and they have got to the joy of salvation. They're able to sing for joy. 
They know the bountiful goodness of God, of God lavishing his goodness on them. This psalm is a wonderfully crafted reflection of a very large experience, one that we will all go through. Though it goes through a breakneck pace, something that may take us a long time. It reflects the true journey that we go through when we reach our lowest ebb. Now you might find yourself on this desolation, supplication, asking questions, or certainty and joy. Maybe rephrase it another way, questioning, asking, And then knowing, questioning, why God? Asking, where are you God? Will you bless me? Knowing, knowing that sense of joy with us. When thinking about grief in our own life, grief often isn't a linear process. Though it's portrayed as a linear sort of thing here, we may well not go neatly from one stage to another, We may skip a stage, we may go back a stage, we may go forward and backwards. That is the reality of grief. The important thing is the knowledge that there is always the journey from darkness to life, from grief into joy. This is the emotional and spiritual sense of death into life, which is exactly what we experience in Lent. In Lent, we remember the hard times of our own self so that by the time we get to Easter, we remember joy. We remember true life in Jesus. You can tell that the writer went exactly through the experiences that we feel. They haven't come up with a trite um, answer but they have experienced and distilled their own experience for our own blessing. And it's written down in Scripture so that we can use it for our own reflections. We know that they have come up the other side. They have both known the depth of sorrow, but they have also known the bounteous goodness of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for the psalms like this one, which help us in our darkest moment. Help us when we ask the question, why? Draw close to us when we kneel at your feet, when we ask for your goodness. And show yourself faithful when we put our trust in you. For we ask these things in your mighty name. Amen.